20, 25 years ago is I'd walk into boardrooms and I'd say, how much thinking time are you taking right now? And they'd look at me and they'd go, what? I'd say, how much thinking time have you got in your diary? Because that tells me how successful you are at the end of the day. Because we need to build in that thinking time and not give that to anybody else. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. I am really delighted to introduce my next guest. She is someone who's become a very close friend for a number of years. When I first joined the Professional Speaking Association back in 2003, she was one of its luminaries and in fact was president of the PSA not long after that, I think 2004 or 2005 when I went to my first conference. I'm honoured that we're very close friends. We mastermind together, so we support each other and have done for a long time, formally and informally. And she's someone whose work I've admired for all of those years. She has worked with leaders all over the world for over 30 years, including speaking at and working with the United Nations. She's the author of eight books. There are so many different things we could talk about, but I have decided we are going to talk about developing future leaders today because I know that is a real passion for my guests. So welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, Molly Harvey. Andy, thank you. It's a privilege, absolutely a privilege and an honour. And as you said, we've known each other a long time. So yeah, let the conversation roll. <laughs> let it flow. And I know we have a hard stop for our recording, and that's probably a good thing, because otherwise <laughs> we'll end up as a record-length episode of the podcast. Because once we start, we do tend to chat. I've picked this topic of developing future leaders. I don't think we've really talked about it enough on the podcast. I know it's a passion for you. So I want to hone in and focus on that. So why don't we start by talking about if you are in a leadership position, and we're going to look at it from both aspects. We're going to look at it for the leaders trying to identify the potential future leaders and for people who want to be identified as uh, and taken on that journey. So let's start from a senior leadership perspective. What qualities are you looking for to pick the real cream of the crop and know who to work with? I think one of the most important thing, two things today is self-aware leadership and emotional intelligence, because we're coming now where we have to work along and beside AI, but it's emotional intelligence is really important. So they're the things, the qualities I'd be looking for straight away. But the self-aware leader, because I say leadership in one sentence, and that is you be the leader that you want everybody else to be around you. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I don't think that those are necessarily the two factors that most people would come up with, or the two qualities that most people would come up with when they were talking about identifying future leaders. So let's dig into them and really understand them. You've talked about self-awareness being you be the leader that you would want around you. Define self-awareness for me in these terms. And how do we recognize it in people, particularly in the early stages of their career? How do we mark it out as a leadership quality? Powerful questions. Powerful, powerful. Okay. So self-awareness to me is you're aware of your impact that you have on everybody around you, but you're also aware of everybody in the team and the impact they have on everybody else. That's self-awareness. And the self-aware leader to me is the leader that actually becomes highly skilled in the art of questioning. 
so, so tell me more about that. I know that this is a big area for you as well, the, the importance of really clear and, and high quality questions and how to approach them. Um, so again, these may seem like basic questions, but yeah. as we can draw out from there, how, how does that show up? What type of questions? Who are they asking them? <laughs> and what are they doing with the answers? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, give you an example. I And generally, they're very simple questions. So it's being aware of yourself and your team around you, as I say. And one of the questions I just gave a senior leadership team recently, and they laughed, was I said, go back and ask your people, what's the stupidest thing we do? Mm. What's the stupidest thing we still do? And I worked with them over a year, once a month. It was masterclasses. And they came back and they went, well, Molly, we are quite surprised. And I said, why? Because they said, at first, we were questioning that. Go back and ask your people the stupidest thing you do. They said, Molly, it's been profound, the feedback we've got. And I said, absolutely, because we're called right now in organizations to go to transform like never before, to let go of assumptions. And uh, I would say confront paradigms that are no longer relevant, all of that. And, and that's why I say skilled in the art of questioning is so, so important for future leaders. So are you going to pick someone like that up because in a meeting they want to dig more deeply? Where's the line between, because I can see a lot of senior leaders getting frustrated when someone is asking too many questions and as they say, not taking the initiative. And I could see that actually marking someone as not suitable uh, for a future leader program in some people's minds because they think they're not willing to take the initiative for themselves. I'm guessing that you would push back against that. So I would. I would push back, Andy, and I would say, so if the person said the question, okay, asked me the question, and let's pretend I'm the senior leader, and, and, and I would then push back and I'd say, great idea, great question. Now, what do you think? What are you going to do about it? What do you think we should do about it? So that's what I would do straight away. So I would push where, back. Where's, where's the line between a stupid question, if such a thing exists, and intelligent questioning from a potential future leader. The line comes back to the self-awareness. And are you not just listening? Are you hearing? Because it's not to sit as a young leader and just ask questions for the sake of it. No, 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 no. It's about sitting. It's about being highly skilled in the art of timing and taking action. And that's part of what I see the future leaders are about, because the future leaders are really social artists of tomorrow. And I heard that term social artists of tomorrow because I had the great privilege in my life uh, to be involved in a UN program in 2008, where it was called the social artists of tomorrow. And that even back in 2008, in fact, even back, believe it or not, in 1969, Dr. Jean Houston knew that this time would come. And she was one of my great teachers on leadership. So what does the social artist of tomorrow mean? Well, the social artists of tomorrow, today and tomorrow, are we're called to be great networkers and to build learning communities. That's one thing. Called to be highly skilled in the art of timing and taking action. That's another skill. And called to be intuitive, and I would say able to perceive complex dynamics within groups and see new trends from chaos right now. Because one of the things I say in leadership every day is, you know, opportunity is everywhere right now. And the leaders of today and tomorrow are those that are seeing the opportunity out of current chaos. 
And we're not hearing a lot about what I've just said, but actually that's how I view the social artists of tomorrow, currently, you know, the present and tomorrow. So traditionally, the fast track leader programs in many organizations are determined by educational attainment. Yeah. Which university did you get to? What degree did you get? You know, what potential are you showing within that? Do you think that organizations that still stick to that model are missing golden talent in the way that they select candidates for those programs? And how can we change that? It's a yes and. So it's a yes and. It's not enough anymore because I think some of these new leaders, they're wired in a different way. That We are wired, like wired to neuroscience, neuroplasticity. There's so much coming out about understanding of human behavior than ever before. And leadership is changing. And that's okay too, because the world is changing. You know, it's like some of these young leaders has been, it's been, aware enough to say, yes, where is the team growing right now? Where's the team dying right now? Where's the organization growing right now? Where's the organization dying right now? And and you will see some people who've come up so quickly through leadership roles because they're disruptors. And I, I want to put in there something else, Andy. You know, it's not enough anymore to ask the what and the why. We have to, as leadership, as leaders, explore the how. Tell me more. Expand on that for us. While I give you an example, I have a how journal and I teach that to leaders. I say to them, okay, there's the what, there's the why, but the how. Okay, so you have this vision as a young leader. How is it going to happen? So I would then get them to mind map it. Mind map the how. Yeah, I mean, I've been delivering um, professional relationship strategy workshops today. And one of the things I always say is that people are so focused in the, the short term and it's all, you know, very basic skills with no strategic thinking and what you're talking about is, well, we want to achieve that. How are we going to get there? That's That's where you're you're putting that together and really thinking forward. So you need people that are not only asking those questions and not only aware of the impact they're having on the people around them, but are are thinkers in in other words. Absolutely. Yeah. You've given it and, and deep thinkers. That makes me think of the book by Carl Newport, Deep Work. They're deep thinkers. And to be deep thinkers, and I know you're passionate about this, Andy, because one of the things that I've always done 20, 25 years ago is I'd walk into boardrooms and I'd say, how much thinking time are you taking right now? And they'd look at me and they'd go, what? I'd say, how much thinking time have you got in your diary? Because that tells me how successful you are at the end of the day, because we need to build in that thinking time and not give that to anybody else. And you know, I've been a discipline of my thinking time comes early in the morning because I'm an early morning person. I give two to three hours a morning thinking time. I have all of my life. I think you've probably answered the the, the next question that occurred to me in, in that last statement, because I, I think a lot of the the people that I work with who work in large organizations would say that's a luxury I'm not given to afford, particularly in the aspiring leadership category rather than the leadership category. Although I'm sure there's some leaders that would argue, hold on a second, there's not for me either, because everything's fast paced, everything's um, time focused. Time is the biggest challenge to most people I work with. So uh, so my question was going to be, how do you find that time for genuine thinking at a cultural level? Now, on an individual basis, you've just given one solution, which is before you go into work, you know, get yeah. up early, 
meditate, mind map. I know you vision board and put that thinking time in. But culturally, as an organizational level, can organizations allow more space for more strategic thinking and take that pressure off people for constant action? I think the organizations of the future, the ones that are really leading, that's what they're doing right now. They're making changes, not excuses. If I'm going to work with a team, there's no getting away with that. That's one of the things. Because why? Because I have time and time again, it affects productivity and affects creativity. Because we're more connected than we've ever been as a human race. And actually, we're less connected. We're less connected and we're lonelier. And we have much more mental health problems and all sorts of things that we never had before. So I actually even encourage people and they look at me as, as like with shock when I say, can you have a day in the week or half a day in the week where you put your phone away? Because we're waking up every morning and instead of saying good morning to our partner, we're saying good morning, LinkedIn, good morning, Facebook, <laughs> good morning, emails. I never look at my emails first thing in the morning. Never. That's way down the line because how you start your day is how you live your day. And if you're really passionate and serious as a leader, and here's another thing. I mean, you know, I've been around a long time like you, Andy, you know, 30, over 30 years in leadership. And in the 30 years ago was, oh, God, you got to work hard. You got to work really, really hard. No, not. No, 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 no. You look at some of these late leaders of today, they're not working hard. They're looking, they're working smart. They're working leaner. They're working smarter than they ever had before. And why? Because they have built in those disciplines of thinking time into their lives. And you see, everything that I'm saying is so easy to do, but yet 97% of us won't do it. And then we wonder why the 3% of people in your organization will rise up and really flow in the leadership that I'm talking about. And they just have those characteristics of being social artists. They flow because they put the discipline in. You've made me think of a, a, a leader that we both uh, know, like, and respect, who's been on the podcast before, which is Phil Jones of, of Brother UK. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. Phil, when, when he came on the podcast, he shared that he, um, he, he goes into a coffee shop at 7.30 every morning and he spends an hour and a half writing blogs, posting on LinkedIn, reading something in a book that he wants to do. So he's taking that similar approach and he would probably fit that, no, no probably about it, he would yeah. fit that bill of the thoughtful leader. He is. I've known him for a long time and he puts the disciplines in. And it takes discipline because right now, because you said to me, tell me more about these social artists. I'll tell you about these social artists because I'm passionate and I, I, I had the opportunity to work with the UN uh, across the, the young world leaders. And they all were so skilled in, how can I say, in developing the inner skills as well as the outer skills. And leadership of the past used to be leadership from the outside in. Not anymore. You can't wing it. Sorry. It's the inside out. And you know how I am about that because, you know, I've, I've, I read a book a week. You know that uh, I've been that for, I don't know, 40 years. So, so let me dig into that a little bit more deeply. And I think this is still on the topic of self-awareness because all of this feeds self-awareness. So yeah, clearly. it does. It does. So, yeah. So when, I mean, it's a lovely saying, but how many lovely sayings can be open to interpretation it can sound great, but you need to, you, you need to put meat on the bone. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Bone. I've got my assumption of what you mean there, but yeah. 
the listener may well have a completely different one. So let's to what you mean. <laughs> okay. It's no longer about the outside in, it's the inside out. Yes. Now, I, my take on what I think you mean, but can you expand on that for me and tell me what that means to the person listening to this podcast? Leadership to me from the inside out is you own your own frame, authenticity and presence. And you walk into that room and you own your presence as a leader. And you and I know from going back many years ago into NSAs, etc., that some people could just walk into the room and they own their presence and they do the inner work. And the inner deep work is, you know what, it's okay sometimes to be vulnerable. It's okay sometimes to say, I don't know. It's okay sometimes as a leader to say, I messed up. And leaders, leadership of the inner skills is you're happy being in your own skin. You're easy to be around. And my mother taught me that. She said, when you're easy to be around, anybody can be around you. But that takes work. That takes owning, owning your strengths and owning your overdone strengths. Because we all know and knowing what your strengths are as a leader, okay, And knowing where you don't have your strengths, but then this comes back to the self-awareness thing again. If you're so good as a leader, what are the top three strengths of everybody around you and your team? And then that's where you really start working together. Why? Because, Andy, you know, I don't have your strengths, you don't have my strengths, but together we can create something extraordinary. Have you subscribed to the Connected Leadership Podcast yet to make sure that you never miss an episode? For more resources from Andy, including a regular tips newsletter, videos, blogs, and more podcasts, please visit andylapata.com forward slash insights. So bringing this back, I think this is a great conversation on leadership generally, which is often how this will. Yeah, yeah. Bringing it back to our theme of developing future leaders. Yes. We've talked about the way that you spend your three hours at the beginning of the day working on yourself and, uh, and thinking. We've talked about Phil's approach at the beginning of the day uh, as well. If, if someone is, well, let's look from the perspective of the aspiring future leader now and what they can do from an early stage to put themselves in the frame for, for the roles that, that they want to move into. Where do you start? Is it making sure you read a book a week? Is it attending self-development programs? Is it meditating? I'm sure it's all of the above in some form, but how do you create a framework by which you know you're doing the right things to shape the person you want to be while also taking on board what the organization you're working for is trying to mold you into as well? That's a great question. So the first thing I would say to them is, Find leaders they really appreciate and admire in the organization. Ask them for 15 minutes of their time. People give you 15 minutes. They might not give you more today in 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 a busy world. And have your questions. What has got them to where they are today? What are the disciplines? And then think, what are the ones that you enjoy doing? So as you know, I've been an early morning person all my life because I had two kids. I had to run a business. So early morning was good for me. And people say, oh, I'm not a morning person. Okay, just do me a favor. We can do anything for, we could just set your clock even 15 minutes earlier. Not asking you to get up at five o'clock. Not everybody's destined to do that, but 15 minutes and just 15, give yourself. So in other words, do you rush out to your day or do you walk into your day? I go back to, I repeat myself again, how you start your day is how you create your day. Okay, how your day will be. And, and you're building up that resilience, you know, because leaders challenge, leaders inspire, leaders are resilient. That resilience starts at the end of the day. And it might be, as you said, it might be for some people to sit in silence and meditate. 
Uh, it might be, for me, it's 30, 30, 30 some days. And that's 30 minutes of movement, 30 minutes of reading, 30 minutes of what are the three things I need to get done today. I don't do big to-do lists anymore. I have them separately, but I really focus on what matters today. What matters today? What can I achieve today as a leader that will make all the difference? I think that's a, a, a really important question to begin yeah. today matters today i i will you know i i don't believe in clocking in and clocking off on hours anymore yes. I'll, I'll start my day and i'll say what will represent success for me today yes yeah. to, to, today i'm delivering two hour programs and recording this podcast if i do anything else today it's a bonus because That's all right. of my energy focused on those three activities and if i walk away at the end of that having achieved those three things successfully i can watch the cricket happily and relax because i've achieved what, what what i set out to do at the beginning of the day and that makes my life a lot easier because as i say i don't clock watch i i would much rather and this isn't what i do but i'd much yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Three, three hours and be productive than work eight hours doing nothing you know playing around um, I finish so I, most days. I'm finished most days at one o'clock now. Which is great. Because, because I have got those three things that I need to achieve in yeah. that day. And then if I have whatever, but let's be honest with each other. And, and for the listeners out there, how many times today do you get to the end of the day and you haven't even touched your three things? Start so are you a busy fool? I love people really get irritated by me sometimes. They go, God, man, you must be so busy again now, Molly. You must be so busy. And I'm going, no, busy is not a word I use anymore. Very I actually good. have a quality of life. And I'm going to get vulnerable with the listeners here. And they'll probably say, what gives Molly Harvey the audacity to say that? Well, you know, my partner, the love of my life, passed away two years ago. And he was a very eminent CEO and had grew a tremendous business across the world, as you know. And then he found out he had six months to leave, lung cancer. And I'll never forget the day coming back from the hospital when they'd given us that dreadful news. And I'll never forget the day we went up to his office and he opened his diary and he said to me, Molly, did I need half of this stuff in the diary? And that's a very simple thing. If we can keep it simple here, for people who are listening in, look at your diary over the next month. What could you take out of it to give you that thinking time? Are you just doing it because you want to be busy or are you doing it because it's actually making a difference and it matters today? That That is so incredibly powerful. And thank you for, for sharing that. It echoes someone I heard speak many years ago called Richard Wilkins. I don't know whether you know Richard. Um, but, uh, yes. Yeah. An amazing inspirational speaker. And, and I, would, I was never one for, for the motivational speaker, as, as you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I remember seeing Richard speak and he'd worked with end of life hospice care, having lost everything. I remember we were walking through London once, Berkeley Square, and there was a Lamborghini went past us. And Richard said to me, I used to have one of those, three of those, one for each colour. <gasps> and he'd lost everything in the property crash. He'd lost the cars, he'd lost his money, he'd lost mm -hmm. his house, mansion, he'd mm -hmm. lost his marriage, he'd lost his mental health. And as he rebuilt, he, he found himself working in end of life hospice care. and people didn't regret and they weren't missing the stuff that you're talking about no. that wasn't what was important to them and rich is the first person i heard that said you know don't tell me you're busy that doesn't impress me uh, and i love what you say about take stuff out and that will give you the thinking time that you that you're looking for yeah and you know it's about what are the practical actions that you can take as a leader every day and as you rightly said it's easy to talk the talk can you walk it can you feel it can you be it 
Can you be it so that everybody around you knows? And and we do know. Going back to the original question, I can see now how this self-awareness, this time taking to think, to to ask the right questions, to plan, to have a how you're going That's to it. create the impression, even if you're not seen to be busy, which people think they have to do to make it create the right impression. So we've got an alternative <laughs> model there. The, the, the other thing that you mentioned at the very beginning, when I said, what are those qualities that we're looking for to identify future leaders? You talked about that self-awareness, which I think everything we've talked about pretty much ties into. The other thing, which isn't unrelated to self-awareness anyway, is EQ or emotional intelligence. Yes. Um, So maybe talk a little bit about that as a quality for a future leader. I can remember listening to a podcast in 2018 and it really stopped me in my tracks. And it was the head of Cisco and he was being interviewed and they said to him, this was ever before COVID, they said to him, so what do you see as two of the biggest threats the business in the future. And he said, well, I see by 2025, he said, getting the talent will be a threat. Don't we all know that? Yeah. Finding the right talent. And he said, the second thing I see is the biggest threat, he said, is emotional intelligence. Getting Developing our leaders, he said, to be emotionally intelligent, he said. And I keep saying that because I say emotional intelligence, when you're emotionally intelligent, and we all have it in us, it's about developing it. Well, what happens then? Well, then you dare to lead with courage, vision, imagination and heart. With courage, vision, imagination and heart, which would make you stand out from the crowd as well. Absolutely. How are you seeing emotional intelligence stand out in aspiring leaders, people particularly at the beginning of their careers? How do we pick that up? Again, going beyond educational attainment and picking up that person has the emotional intelligence to be a leader. What are they doing? How do we see it in the way they act and behave? It's the TLTs that they do, the tiny little things. And the TLTs that you do when no one is watching. Like I know a young aspiring leader who actually has his team on WhatsApp. And some mornings he leaves them a personal message. Or that team or or that that person on the team that he actually sees them doing something above and below the norm, he privately leave a little message to them. Doesn't you don't have to boast about it. There's many different ways we know that you can do TLTs, tiny little things. And that's to me what true leaders, they spot, they watch, they're aware. Because if you're aware, it's like a thank you now and again goes a long way. Or I appreciate that. Or what do you think? You know, it's it's a hand up. It's a hand up in leadership. You're looking all the time for that hand up. Do you think that we're seeing, we have seen or we are seeing a shift in leadership culture away from command and control? Something we've talked about a lot in the past in the podcast, but not so recently. Away from command and control to a more inclusive, supportive, vulnerable leadership style. Absolutely. Uh, where, where EQ is more at the heart of it. How, how is that? Where have you seen that? And, and where do you think? Oh, 100%. 100%. I've just seen it recently in a large Welsh housing association that I work with. And when I went in there first, the trust was very low. And how I did that was I walked in, walked into the boardroom, and I, because that's what I'm paid to do. I'm, ba- I'm paid to talk about the willful blindness in the room. And I walked in and I could see, I could feel it. You could tangibly feel it. Trust was low. And I remember going up to a flip chart board and I said, and I, I just went one to 10 down the flip chart and I turned around and said, okay, now and in your own time, I want you to walk 
up to the board and put not where you want to be, where you are today, just sitting in the room this morning. Where are you on a scale of one to 10 in the team here right now? How much you actually trust each other? And it was quite shocking (laughs) and quite eye-opening the way they opened up. And then the next question, and this is where the leader gets good at not just the question, but the language we use was, okay, I see that. Now, what can you do in the next 30 days as a leader to bring that from a six to a seven? or a seven to an eight. And you understand what can you do is the accountability of people. It's, it's about building pe- people today to be more accountable. Well, how do you use that when you say, what do you think? How do we do it? How do you see it? And that's moving less away from the command and control. And it's more of a we culture or a together culture, Colla- collaboratory culture. Dr. Catherine Muff wrote about it a lot. And uh, a more collaborative culture, I would say today, is what I see. And then what happens? Well, then I see people thriving. And I know that if people are thriving, I know that the organization will thrive. Why? Because I've said for many years, I don't teach customer care, but I've said, get your internal customer care right, and then your external customer care flows out. And that echoes something that's been said on the podcast before as well. We had a whole episode around that whole point. You yeah. can't care for your external customers if you don't care for your internal ones. And it's- they know. They know. They pick it up. Oh, completely. It's, it's like it's it's a vibration. It's an energy. You can't explain. It's like electricity. It's in the room and you just know. And it comes from people who, if they're not cared about, they hate what they do. Um, Absolutely. And translates, translates completely. I, I want to pick up on one of your other key passions that's related to this. I know you do a lot around bringing forward future female leaders. I want to talk a little bit about inclusion in the boardroom and in senior leadership positions and changing the ratios represented and how we go about that. How important are diversity and inclusion programs in getting that balance? Are we moving away from the traditional imbalance that we've had? Are are these programs working? I think there's still a lot of work to do, but are we seeing progress there? And what do you say to those people who feel they're missing out because they don't tick the boxes for the inclusion program, but they still want to be a leader in that organization? That's a topic. I think there's a lot more work to be done, to be honest. I really do. I do think there's a lot more work to be done. And I think we almost went backwards in COVID. If I'm to be honest as well, I think we've gone backwards. And yeah, it's a very awkward question. <laughs> and yeah, because I'm pausing right now and pondering and saying, okay. Um, well, because first of all, I, I ask you, why do you think we've gone backwards? Well, the simple omission was that from, from a female point of view, myself as a woman, that when COVID and when we all had to set up offices at home and stuff, a lot for the woman, if she had young children, still had to feed the children, get the children up. You know what I mean? School the children, go to work, all of that. I'm not saying the husbands didn't help. They did. Men have been brilliant. You know, you know how I feel about that. It's men and women together, by the way, the future is not just women. So I want to get that across. But what I'm saying is it just seemed the natural nurture in a lot of women. And we all got exhausted because suddenly you weren't finishing at five o'clock. You didn't have you you, you had a start time, but you didn't have a quitting time. Or you might quit and then you do dinner and then you go back at nine o'clock at night and 10 o'clock at night. 
and all of that crept in. And then the other thing that crept in was sending emails at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And that's the thing is I really, really onto people about senior leaders. I say, put them in your box, but don't send them sometimes. Or if you are going to send them, please just explain the why to your team to say, look, that's the time I work best at night. But but no, you don't have to reply until Monday morning. And that's coming back to the self-aware leader again, the leader with presence. Because first of all, accountability has to start with you before you go outside that. You know, so regarding women in the boardroom, we're seeing more, but also some women, by the time we get to that level, are exhausted and they just say, do I really want it? That's interesting. So what do we need to do more of to encourage more young women to follow that path, but to reach the top before? And and in fact, not before, without getting exhausted in the process or once they're there. I think to listen and hear more to them and their ideas. And also that's down to the woman leader as well of, of, of her showing up. So it's working both ways. But I think listening and hearing more and also understanding that, you know, some of them will have young children and some of them will. And all of those things that are like, it's like we're doing a lot of hybrid work, aren't we, at the moment between work and home and all of that and making sure, I think just saying it's okay to take time. It's okay. It's, you know, self-care is not selfish. And I think there just has to be all, you know, there's new behaviors and approaches coming out every day. And I think it's unplugging the structures that used to work. That old structure doesn't work anymore in a lot. It's actually dying out more and more and more. We're, look, we're all in uncharted territory, Andy. We all are in uncharted territory. And I think people are, if they get tired or exhausted, they're just saying, you know, and they'll walk away. And sometimes sometimes you can lose your best talent like that. I think we're seeing that more now than post-COVID than at any point in my professional life. Absolutely. Um, quite happy to walk away. And women are setting up their own businesses, by the way. You know a lot of that. Absolutely. A lot of that. They're setting up their own businesses. Yeah. This happens a lot on the podcast. The topic Mm -hmm. about leaders, I think, is actually more about self-awareness among leaders at all levels. Yes. Uh, So if if we're talking about self-awareness among leaders, and that's me being self-aware of where this conversation has taken us. So to finish up on on that topic, do we need more conversation at all levels in the organisation? And how do we create a culture in an organisation where everyone feels empowered to share to ask the questions you talked about earlier, to give their opinion and to to give a different perspective and where everyone listens, irrespective of seniority. That Andy, I think we need a lot more conversations. And I also say, you know, we all think we're good listeners, but we all don't hear. Because remember, it's going back to that thing about being busy, being busy. So I would say to everybody who listens into this podcast, when was the last time you felt truly listened to? Have a think, not listened to. Not just listen to, but heard. When was the last time you felt truly, truly listened to? Because that's another thing. We're not, we're not even hearing each other today. And it, it really is about having more conversations. Conversations at the edge and risky conversations and bringing in the questions. And sometimes what I say to people is in your meetings, have those, have 15 minutes in the meeting where you, you each 
every month or whatever, or once a month, you say, okay, you have the, you have the questions to throw at us this month. And let's just explore it. Let's explore it. And I think organizations need to get more and more and more creative. That's what I would say. Another thing I always say is the creative whiteboard. Get the whiteboard and say, what's the biggest challenge we have right now in this team? And then you get somebody to want to be a timekeeper and you just talk about it for no more than two minutes and then for 13 minutes. Okay, what are we going to do about it? What and what are we going to do about it before we leave here? And then what you're doing is you're building accountability. You're empowering your teams. You're empowering your people to be the leaders they want everybody else to be in the organization. And that's when, come back to what I said, social artists as leaders are daring to lead now with courage, vision, imagination and heart. I think that is a lovely way in which to finish the conversation. I've heard you today, and I think a lot of people have. And your courage, your vision and your heart come through as well in what you say. Uh, Even though the theme has ebbed and flowed, there's a lot in there for people who want to either be that future leader or want to encourage those the people in their organization to step up um, that, that they can share. But we've got more as well. It's been future leaders. And I think that that's been a real, real value. So Molly, thank you so much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. So thank you to Molly for joining me. As I say, a bit of an ebb and flow in terms of theme, but so much gold. We honed in on that whole piece about self-awareness everything that molly said i think comes down to self-awareness at all levels of leadership being aware of one of the things that stood out for me was being aware of the impact actions have on just you but also the impact your, your actions have on other people and that goes to making people feel heard so where we started and where we ended i think tie together very nicely there was a lot to take from molly there a lot to reflect on a lot to think on but Thanks to Molly, you can take that time and think about it and reflect and really internalize it. And then you can come back next week and join us for another episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.